All right, on, in your notes, you can write down Great Danger Part 3 if you're taking notes. The message is titled Platforms, and you will see why it's titled Platforms. Platforms. And it's going to be very interesting because like my other messages where I'm all over the place and I give you a bunch of different resources and verses and, and <clears throat> different quotes and we go through different books of, of scripture and all that, uh, I'm going to stick in one spot today. And um, it's going to be very interesting. So with that, if you could just turn to Matthew 10 as we get ready to kind of um, just study this chapter. Matthew chapter 10. And as you turn to Matthew 10, um, I want to give you the definition of what the word danger means. What is danger? Okay. And this is what danger is. It's, it's liability or exposure to harm or injury. Think about that for a moment. Liability or exposure to harm or injury. It means risk even. Risk. Some people are risk, risk takers and at times that could be very dangerous, right? If it doesn't work out for them. It means pearl even. It means hardships. Uh, so, so just think about that definition as we will flirt with it a little bit. But as I asked you to turn to Matthew 10... It's a very interesting passage because when it comes to that word danger, what speaks to me so often when danger is mentioned is Matthew 10. And you'll see why by the end, especially by the end of this sermon. In Matthew 10, Jesus is actually sending out his 12 disciples. He's sending them out, okay? And as he's sending them out, they're to take nothing with them. They're to go and speak of Jesus Christ to every village that they enter. As they enter every village, he's speaking of, they're speaking of Jesus, but they're not to take anything. No clothes, no extra shoes, not a thing with them. And he's giving them some last words as they're being sent out to different villages. Maybe you would say he's giving them some encouragements. He's giving them a pep talk, right? Everyone always wants to know before the Super Bowl, what did the coach say in the locker room? Everyone wants to know that. Everyone wants to know if, if an NBA game goes to game seven of the NBA finals, what was said in that locker room before they took that, that court? And, and sometimes, depending on what those coaches say, um, those speeches become um, classics right off the bat. They make movies about those speeches. I mean, those speeches are put up on walls. and I mean, it's amazing, depending on how good the coach does in his speech, in his encouragement, or in his pep talk, what can happen, the ratifications after his pep talk. So here's Jesus, and he's giving them a pep talk. I'm going to send you to the villages to preach Jesus. Yes! <laughs> Amen! You're going to take nothing with you, though. That's weird, but I guess, yeah, we'll still do it. Not even underwears. No, no whoa. <laughs> Mama always taught me to take underwears. Nothing with you. And in giving them this little, what you might call encouragement, others might call it discouragement. We look at it in sports today as pep talk. He's giving them these words as they get ready to go on their so-called missions trip. And he warns them of something very different. He says this, go to the villages. And as you go, persecutions are coming. Wait a minute, what do you mean? 
You mean we're not going to cast out demons, save people? We're not going to go out and thousands are going to get saved? Those things will come, but persecutions are coming. And like, well, that's not too encouraging to hear, God, before I go to game seven. That's not too encouraging to hear before I go enter into the stadium where all the fans are waiting for us to arrive in the smoke machine and the lights. Not a great send-off, Lord. You know, you told me, yeah, let's go preach the gospel, amen. But um, some, some um, serious persecution needs to be expected. And you know, I'm just like, wait, what? That, that's not good. That's not a good pep talk. I don't, know if, I don't know if Matthew chapter 10, as we get ready to get into this, I don't know if Matthew 10 would be written on walls in certain locker rooms. I don't know. I, I really don't know if, if they would make certain movies. You know, you, you look at the movie Rudy, Rudy. And, and you see all these classics, and you see the famous one, and, you know, football's a game of inches, and, and all these classic speeches in these movies. I don't know if Matthew 10 would have made it. Let's go to it. I'm going to ask you to turn to verse 16 with me, Matthew 10, 16. I want to grab some points from Eugene Peterson, and I like the way Eugene Peterson makes some points, but don't get offended. If you have another translation, read it from yours, but look at mine. As well, because I'm going to make some points from the message translation today. And as I read from Eugene Peterson's The Message, catch the things that God is telling his disciples. We're going to start off on verse 16, and it says this. It says, stay alert, he tells them. This is hazardous work that I'm assigning you. You're going to be like sheep running through a wolf pack, so, so don't call attention to yourselves. Be as cunning as a snake as inoffensive as a dove. Just, just stop for a moment there. Verse 16. The first thing that we see here, Christ is saying, stay awake. You know, one translation, behold. But in that behold in the New King James or the ESV or whatnot, it's, it's a behold that means like alert. Wake up. Stay alert. Stay alert. Because what I'm about to send you to is some hazardous work, man. What I'm about to send you to and what I'm assigning you to, it's kind of like this. And he says, it's like a sheep, right? You're a sheep and you're running in the midst of wolves. Everyone knows that it's not good to be a sheep among wolves. Because wolves like to, um, yeah, eat sheep. I don't really want to hang out with those guys. So in Jesus speaking to his disciples in this first verse that we look at here, we see he's well, we want to say encouraging them. Maybe you want to say, well, no, he's discouraging them. Oh, whatever, whatever you think. But he's giving them a pep talk here. And, and here's my call over your lives. My call over you as you get ready to do this is to stay alert, to beware. Because danger approaches. What a great danger, you know. He, he describes it as nothing else but like I just told you, as sheep running, sheep running. Where wolves are at. Sheep running through a wolf pack. See, the life of a believer, the one who stands for truth, the, the one who is light in the midst of darkness, the one who is salt to this earth, it is one that is exposed to great blessings. How many of you would say amen? It is. If you are a believer, you are exposed to great blessings and benefits. Maybe some of us believers have not been exposed to great blessings and benefits. But we are. 
But just like we are exposed to great blessings and benefits, I want you to know this, we are also liable to great risk and to great danger. Because sometimes to be a Christian is, is jump through that cliff, jump over that place, even though you don't see a foundation. Trust me, Christ says, I'll be your foundation. Like, it just doesn't seem like it's going to work. And God's like, that's what Christian's about. Christianity is sometimes about jumping off the cliff when there doesn't seem to be an answer. I'm not talking about suicide. I'm talking about faith. And sometimes that's a risk. Because what happens if I jump off the cliff and there's no foundation to land on? How many of your lives ever felt like that, huh? God's taking me to this place. Whoa, I just broke the stage. But how many of you ever felt like that? You, you, you're at a place in your life, in your marriage, with your family, at your job, at your, I don't know. And, and you're there and you're just like, okay, God. <laughs> You've been to the pool? You're like, I don't know if I should just jump in. Should I do it? Let me test it first. <laughs> no. But sometimes, Christianity, you jump in before you even touch the waters. You jump in and, and you watch it surprise you when you land. And Christianity can be a great danger like that. Remember the series, The Unknown? Then you should know this by now. Because we talked about all this. We spoke about all this. We mentioned all this. And that's what the life of a believer is. But then he goes on and he says, we got to learn. And we got to learn on how to go on in this life. It could be very dangerous as Christians, and maybe we don't see it, Maori said it great, as Westerners, but, but the Eastern Christians, those who are being persecuted by the numbers because um, radical Islamic groups are coming in with machetes and guns and, 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 and raiding villages like a bunch of wolf packs, and they're saying, no, we're not going to deny our Christ, and they're being taken out to the shore of the beach and getting their heads beheaded. That sounds pretty dangerous to me. It sounds like they have something to live for. How do you know that? Because they're willing to die for it. You know you're, you know that you, man, you know that you're living for something great when you're willing to die for something. When you're willing to die for that thing that you're living for, you know that that thing means the world to you. It's like that person sitting next to you. Maybe it's her, maybe it's him, maybe it's them. If something happens to them, I'm willing to put my life on the line for them. That's because, man, that love that you have. Do you guys get that? And maybe we don't get that in our Christianity, but, but here's this great danger that the life of a believer, we got to learn how to go on in it. But look how he tells us. He says like a snake. Not just like a snake, but like a dove as well. Why a snake and a dove? Well, how does he describe it? He says, as wise as a snake. As wise, you can't just creep up on a snake, I dare you. You'll lose. You, you can't just go up to a snake and say, boom, got you. It's not going to happen. They're wiser than that. They probably saw you before you even saw them, trust me. You try to grab that snake, oh, he's not looking at me. You watch, mate, how I jump on this snake. And you try to be like him and you try to, without any experience, and grab that snake by the tail. Watch how he turns his head so fast because he saw you coming the whole entire time. You, look what Jesus is saying to his followers. As you go on in this dangerous walk, as you go on in this dangerous 
call, he, he basically tells them, you, you go out as, as wise as a snake, but check this out, as harmless as a dove. You stay wise all the while remaining harmless. Let, let me explain that to you. It means that as a Christian, we're not dumb, we're not stupid, we're not taken advantage of, but we use wisdom. How many of you can say amen? And in our wisdom, we don't use it for evil or for self-gain, but we remain blameless, we remain pure, we remain harmless. It is what Paul writes to the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter 2.15. He says, so that no one will criticize you, he tells them. So that no one will criticize you. You know what Paul tells them? You live clean, blameless, and harmless lives. He tells the church of Philippi. Because everyone is criticizing everyone. Come on. You just woke up a couple hours ago. How many people have you criticized already since you walked in? Huh? How many things have you criticized? Sometimes our lives are just a life of criticism. Oh my God, the gas and the car and the kids and they got to go to the... And, and everything becomes a big old criticism ball of wax and everything's just criticism. And Jesus understood that. Paul understood that. And he says... So that no one would criticize you. Live clean, man. Live blameless. Live harmless lives. In life, danger may come. Persecutions may rise. But listen, church. We stay pure. How many of you can say amen? Tough times come. Everyone say tough times come. But I stay pure. Yeah. Oh, you see, all of you are like, tough times come. Stay pure. No, no, no. Tough times come. But we stay pure. That was better because I put it on all of us. We stay pure. We stay harmless. Just because times come, we don't bend with it. And we don't let it define us. Come here, come here. We define the tough times. Can I get an amen for that? And that is so true. We stay pure. We stay harmless. We stay blameless in this dangerous life at times. I want to read verses 17 through 20 the way he puts it. I believe it's going to minister to you. He says this. He says, don't be naive. Some people will impugn your motives. Others will smear your reputation just because you believe in me. Don't be upset when they haul you before the civil authorities without knowing it. Man, if anything has spoken to me, I mean, just blasted my life this week, it's this part. Without knowing it, they've actually done you and me a favor. They've given you a platform for preaching the kingdom news. And and don't worry about what you'll say and how you'll say it. The right words are going to be there because the spirit of the Father is going to supply those words. Guys, guys, just let that settle. Like, just, just, just mix it in. People are going to rise up and things will occur, but without knowing it, it's going to work out. It's going to work out just for you. It's going to work out perfectly for me. It's actually all going to work out for our favor. And the reason why it works out for our favor, it's because it's going to give you a platform, man. It's going to give you a platform to preach. The great danger in standing up for Christ, it might mean that, that yes, many will try their hardest. And, and many things will try its hardest to shame us. To destroy us, even our own reputation, which is the greatest thing that you have, your testimony. 
to find fault with no reason. Ever been find fault with no reason? Huh? Just like, I have no idea where that person got that about me. That must have been, I could tell you so many stories, but I don't have time though, so I'll save you the drama. But you know how many people I've sat with and said, I heard your church is this kind of church. I'm like, what? We don't carry snakes on the altar, no. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. I heard your kind of church is the kind of, like, what? Who's, that? Who's told you that stuff? My God. That was a joke, but you'll be surprised at some of the things I've heard about New Life that I didn't even know New Life was about. Some things about me that I didn't even know I did, I did do. I must have been on medication or something. But sometimes these things will, will happen for no reason even. Sometimes there is a reason. And you might say, well, what have I ever done? What do I, what have I done to deserve this? Or what have I ever done to this person for them to treat me this way? Huh? And Christ says something so beautiful in this passage. He's like, don't worry. What do you mean, don't worry? Are you not watching? Are you not looking? Are you not seeing? Did you not hear? And he's like, just smiling at us. Don't worry. I don't get you, Lord. He's like, yeah, I know. Don't worry. Because, what, well, why not? Why should I not worry, Lord? Then he says what? Because they're doing you. They're doing me. A what, church? Yeah, a favor. Oh, really? What kind of favor is that? Come on, you answer, because sometimes repetition brings memory. What's the favor, Lord? Come on, you're the Lord today, in a sense. You're paying his role. What's the favor, Lord? I'm giving you a platform. What do you mean you're giving me a platform? You'll see. That negative stuff... I'm going to let you stand on it. Hey, have you ever read that verse? That all of his enemies are under his feet? Have you ever read that verse? Christ is like, don't worry about it. All those things will be your platform one day. I'll put them under your feet. Oh, man, some, some people caught that revelation. But I will put all the negativity, I will put all the enemies, I will put all that trouble under your feet. For what? So it could become the platform that you walk on. Oh, man, that's good, though. Because I, I want to walk on that kind of platform. Jesus is telling us troubles and problems come. Yes, they will. Yes, they do. Attacks will rise. Yes, they will. If they have not yet. People will try to bring you down. And I get an Amen. But then he says, but it's all in our favor. It's a platform that is given to preach Jesus Christ, to preach his gospel. So I want everyone in this room to hear this point right quick. Whether it's people or whether it's a situation that is out of your control, believer, you're going to have trouble. You know what? I want to do something because I want to feel good. How many of you just like to feel good sometimes? I know we shouldn't be like that. We're being very selfish and all, but we're being a little real today. How many of you guys just want to feel good today? All right. How many of you guys currently might be experiencing a trouble in your life? Can you just raise your hand? No, 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 no. Keep on. I want you to be proud of that trouble. Can you guys, can we do a little bit more boldness? I'm sorry, guys. Please come back next Sunday. Can you stand with me? Can you stand with me? If, if you are receiving some sort of, hey, there's some of you that are not in that season right now. That's okay. But if you are in that season, can those that are standing look around for a moment? Don't you feel so much better? <laughs> I do. I'm not alone. 
I'm sorry about your trouble. I really am. We're going to pray about it at the end. I really am sorry about your trouble. But right now, I'm not going to lie to you either and try to be a hypocrite either. I'm a little happy that I'm not the only one going through trouble. How many of you could say amen? How do you feel? Don't you feel the same way right now? You walked in here like if everyone just knew my trouble. Hey, did you just notice everyone else has their trouble too? You may be seated. I thank you for standing up. Amen. But as you stood up, we're going to have trouble. And statistically, statistically, we just proved the point. Christians go through trouble. And it's not about trouble that rises up and us trying to get through trouble. Hey, real quick, real quick. How many of you lived this life with, I'm just going to get to, I'm just going to try to get through this trouble. Come on, be honest with me. How many of you have done that? got a lot of hands. Good. Thank you for being honest. I'm just going to try to get through this one again. And then we all say this little saying, right? When it rains, it... Yeah. How many of you have lived that one before? I don't know. It's awesome. It's life. And, and you're like, I'm going to get through this one too. And then like, you get out of it and it's like... Oh my gosh, another storm. And I'll just get through this one. And we look at life like that. I'll just get through this storm. I'll just get through this rain. I'll just get through this trouble that has arised yet again. But as Christians, maybe it's not about just getting through it. How about if it's trouble that is brought to you because trouble is what helps you through? Maybe it's not that you get through the trouble. Trouble is needed so it could get to you so that you can get through. Maybe you wouldn't be who you are today if you've never received the trouble that you do have today. Come on, somebody. Because for some of you, what you needed in your life was a platform because you didn't have anything to say. But now Christ put something under your foot called trouble so that when you stand on the trouble, you can look at someone in the eyes and say, oh, you have some trouble? Let me tell you what I've gone through. How? How? Because I've been there. How did, how did you get to where you're at today? <laughs> trouble. You mean you got through it? No. Trouble got me in through it. And that's the difference between someone who knows Christ. Listen, someone who doesn't know Christ drowns in their trouble. Someone who is in Christ, Christ uses trouble to raise them up. See, we don't drown in trouble as Christians. Christians rise up in trouble because Christ is in control. Because Christ holds our life together. Because Christ is greater. I'm telling you today that your trouble can actually be your platform. For what? To shine the glory of Jesus. That's what. But this person just died in my family, right? And your family is not the only person that someone has died in. You standing on a platform that not everyone has. Can you see how your greatest curse actually just became your greatest blessing for someone else's life? My God. I know that was hard, but it's so true. Because what I don't want to deal with, why did you give me this thorn? And God says it's so worth it. Because that cross you're bearing, that thorn in your flesh, that trouble that has risen, is going to get you through. And you're going to run into someone one day, and you're going to see light pop out of them. All because of the platform that I gave you. And right now you might be denying it and broken and hurt and confused and miserable. But God says just keep on. Just keep getting through. Just don't give up. 
Just keep standing and watch how that platform glorifies my name. Just keep on standing on it. Watch. Disciples, go. I'm giving you a platform. But it's going to come with a cost. It's a heavy price. How many of you got it? Get it? Got it? Understood it? The way put up a quote from Pastor Javi, and he said this uh, a couple, I don't know, one time he preached, he said, you serve such an awesome God that when trouble comes knocking, it doesn't work against you. Trouble works for you. My God. Trouble works for me. And with that understanding, trouble might just be my platform. Trouble. And then I say, yeah, trouble, and God says, don't worry. Because that trouble... What it is, is this. Ready? All that trouble is, it's done you. It's done me. It's done us a favor. Well, what is that? It's a platform to preach Jesus Christ to those who have not heard it in that magnitude. Because people have heard Christ be preached when things are good. But how about when they get laid off? How about when they lose a child? How about when their marriage is broken? How about when the husband walked away, the wife walked away? How about when someone that they looked up to just was dismantled before them and I looked up to that person? All throughout life, we could grab different calamities that people go through and all those things become a platform. And yes, in Christianity, we're not exempt from danger. We're not exempt from hurt. We're not exempt from pain. We're not exempt from death or risk. Instead, these things work for a greater cause and I've just, I'm, I'm, I'm just putting it in your brain, it's all given to us as a platform for preaching the kingdom news. That's it, man. Oh, you mean it's not out to destroy me? Of course not. It's out to glorify him. Of course not. If you're in Christ, I promise you this, if you're in Christ as dark and as evil and as shameful as it might seem, it's not out to destroy you. I promise you that in Christ, it's out to glorify. And it's out to glorify him. How many of you could say amen in the midst of your great danger? The great danger is not just necessarily this trouble I'm talking to you about. The great danger is not necessarily the pain or the hurt, the risk that can be taken as a Christian. Check this out, guys. The great danger can be missing the opportunity that God gives us in the midst of life's hardest moments. That's the great danger. I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. I should have preached to them on the hospital bed. I missed it. When I went over for dinner, I should have told them Jesus loves them. I missed it. Man. When my coworker was heating up their food and they were in tears, I, I should have asked that question. I missed it. Ever been there? I was at that gas station and there was that clerk at the gas station. I saw in his eyes and the Lord told me to tell him something. My gosh, and I walked away because I said, what would he think of me if I told him what he... I missed it. You've ever missed moments in life? How do they make you feel? Isn't it the worst feeling? horrible and I think that's the greatest danger if you haven't caught it yet the greatest danger is not standing on the platform that Jesus gave you to walk on that's the great danger that I'm mentioning to you today how dangerous it is to not stand on the platform that has been given to us a platform that came with such a heavy price it could have been a marriage it could have been a kid, it could have been an adult, it could have been a, a leader, it could have been a 
could have been on anything. What a great price was paid. And we missed that opportunity. We missed that platform. That's the great danger. And maybe you're here and maybe you're saying, Lord, this platform is way too large for me to bear. And in return, what does he tell you? Don't worry. Did you read the rest of that? It says, don't worry. I'm going to give you what to say. I'm going to give you the strength in it all. Don't worry. The right words will be there. The Spirit will supply all your needs, all your words. Don't worry. What Christ is basically saying in verse 20 is very clear. In those no worries, he's basically telling the believer, I will be your strength. I will be the one who holds you up on the platform when that platform seems to be very shaky. I hold you up on it. Don't worry. What seems like the greatest danger, don't worry. I'm actually working it out to be your greatest blessing. Trust me, don't worry, he's telling you. The cross you bear, the thorn that you have in your flesh becomes the message that you will speak on the platform. So you don't worry because I help you through this. Amen. Let's read verses 21, 22, um, and 23. I think God is making his point today. I, I I could sense it in your... In your faces, I I feel like God is really speaking to some of you. So that means I won't take too much longer since I think you guys have it. You're like, amen. I should do this every Sunday. All right, here we go. 21, 22, 23. Everyone there? Water break. It says, when people realize, I love this section. It's the living God that you are presenting and not some idol that makes them feel good. Guys, did you just catch that? When they realize it's, it's the living God that you present and not some idol that makes them feel good. My goodness, I, you could just stop right there. They're going to turn on you, even people in your own family. There is a great irony here because proclaiming so much love, experiencing yet so much hate. I'm, I'm going to break that down in a second. But you don't quit, you don't cave in. Because it's all well worth it in the end. It is not success that you are after in such times. But what is it, church? It's survival. So you be survivors. Before you've run out of options, man. Even the Son of Man will have returned. We look at this passage here. And we must remember what life is all about. You walked in here today. And if I were to ask you, well, what is life all about? How would you answer that question today? And we must realize what life is all about. What this platform is all about. And it is all about the living God that we are presenting. How many of you could say amen? See, we are not presenting what it says here. An idol that makes people feel good. Church, listen. We are presenting a Christ who is good. Man. Idols make you feel good for a little while until it runs out and you got to go back to worship that idol again. But God, he ultimately satisfies because he doesn't make you. It's he is the fulfillment of what is good. So when we worship idols to make us feel good, Jesus Christ steps into the scene and says, make me that idol, make me your God because I am what is good. Man. And that's what we see in this passage. That's what we represent The one that Paul says in Romans 8, 
He's the one that works all things for the good. For the good of those who love him. For those who have been called according to his purpose. Man. And we look at the rest of these verses and they're so true. Just turn on the news. How many of you just stopped watching the news because you're like, I can't anymore? Only one person. Two people, three. The hands are going up slowly. Can you put on the news anymore? Everything. There's a killing there. Someone drowned over here. This, this. It's like, God, one good thing. Tell me one good thing. Hey, uh, the ambassador is in, uh, in Iran or trying to solve nuclear problems. I don't want to get into a nuclear war. Like, like this, everything is just negative news, negative news, negative news. Everything on television, it could be so negative and overwhelming. Just turn it on, and it's so true. The, these verses are so for today. And in this world, we see, obviously, right through our television sets. You just put on the radio, even in your cars. And would you not agree with me when I say this to you? That in this world, we see that there is so much hate and so much hatred. Look what's happening in our very own backyard here in the United States. Police officers standing outside the other day in Ferguson. And a crazy man just walked right up to them and shot them. I think it was two of them. And they had to get rushed to the hospital in critical condition. Because a man just is upset at the whole police unit. And he said, the way I'm going to get back at this is I'm going to shoot them. No! <laughs> Who told you that's the way to answer this? That's not how you solve things, but that's how he thought it was. Hatred all over this world. Hatred. Come here. Within your own family, you have hatred? Well, I won't even touch that subject. But there's hatred. It's so sad. Hatred is just a sign that Jesus is not there. You guys know that, right? Because where there's hatred... There is no love. And the Bible says that God is love. So when I have hatred for my wife who lays in the bed next to me, God is not in our marriage anymore because God is love. Come on, that's another preaching for the other day because I'm not talking about marriages today. But hatred, when it's present, I'm going to be very honest with the church today, God's not there. And I truly believe God has been taken out of our country. How many of you would say that? Out of our schools, how many of you would say that? Out of our families, how many of you would say that? And in this world that there's so much hatred, did you notice what we just read? Yet we have a platform given to us. In the midst of hatred, we proclaim so much what? Love. Oh, man. You know why there's hatred and why it's needed in this world? Because there's Christians that need to rise up and proclaim love to the hatred. So when we have family that's filled with hatred, when we have work um, environments that are filled with hatred, when we have a, uh, a, a community that is filled with hatred, we are called to be the ones that proclaim so much love. We proclaim love. And that's the platform that has been given to every believer. We take advantage of that darkness because we proclaim light in the midst of darkness, the Bible says. Amen? And we don't get lost, it says in this passage right here. I don't have time to read it all again. But we don't get lost in success. And we don't even live for success. Did you guys know that you don't live for success? 
You live for Christ who is success, but, but, but you don't live for success. And that's very important that we catch that. We're not after even success. Because the reality is that if we're fully only after that success, we will never be satisfied. Just ask anyone that that's all their life lived for. They're never truly satisfied, and you will always run to the next success that you desire. If you ask any millionaire what's his next goal, it's to be a multi-millionaire. If you ask any billionaire, it's to be a what? Multi-billionaire. No one is just happy with one million. Give me the two. Um, no one's happy with one million. Give me two because I want to have a little bit more. And that's what success is is always about the next success and in reality in Christ Jesus what he's teaching us in this passage is that's not us we don't live for that kind of world we don't run to that because we'll never be happy we don't cave into that mentality we are of a different breed we're from a different kingdom and in the process we we don't quit we don't cave in because it's all going to be worth it at the end so what am i called to be god he says you're called to be a survivor be survivors that's all i'm calling you to be because a survivor is not just being described as one who survives heavy persecutions it's more than just surviving heavy persecutions and danger a survivor is different. It is one who holds on to their faith when being tested. Because I don't want to just be tested and say, hey, I beat the test with having no faith. What a true Christian is, is one who holds on, who grips it, who clings to Jesus in good moments, in bad moments, on high times and low times. In success and no success, I cling to Jesus because I've learned that in Christ he is my success, and he is what fulfills me. How many of you could say amen? I can't let go of the success. How many of you have done this before? Come here. And you've had enemies do this to you. You ever, been, you ever done that? I'm not going to let go. You ever done that playing as a little kid? You're grabbing onto something. Maybe you had an older sibling, a younger sibling, and they're just whipping your hands all the way back, and one of your fingers is touching, my goodness, your elbow almost. And you're with a big, I'm not going to let go. That's what it is with Christ. We're not going to let go. Satan, bring it. <laughs> Troubles, bring it. Jesus is greater. This is a platform, baby. I'm not going to let go. And like your fingers are all the way back. Like, ah, it's awesome. That's who we are. We are survivors. We are survivors. Look at the person next to you. If they're in Christ, they are survivors too. We are survivors. We are victorious. We will reign one day with the king. We will be presented a crown of life. We will walk down streets of gold. We will walk through a purling gate. We will jump into a river with milk and honey. We are from a different place. We, your citizenship is in God's glory. I am not just defeated here. I have a platform. His name is Jesus. I belong to the king. I'm a survivor. What did you think I was, huh? What did you think you were? You're a survivor. You hold on. You hold on to your faith. The one who stands on that platform when everything seems to be shaken. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us hold tightly, the ESV says, without wavering. I like it, tightly. I'm about to end now. In verses 24 and 25, 
and then we'll jump into 26 and 27. Look what it says here. It says a student doesn't get better than his teacher or a better desk than his teacher. It's a funny way that he words it. A laborer doesn't make more money than his boss. That would be weird, right? You're writing out the check to someone that works under you and they're getting paid more than you. It's weird. But you'll be content. You'll be pleased. Even when you, my students, my harvest hands, I love that he calls them harvest hands. He calls individuals harvest hands. You get the same treatment I get. Don't be surprised, right? He says, if they call me the master and they say dung face, you guys know what dung is? Okay, good. So imagine being called dung face, a.k.a. We'll keep it clean. Crap face. Crap face, what do you expect in your life if someone calls you? Your face looks like crap. Obviously, I think he was even a little bit more graphic than just crap. Crap face. If they call me that, what do you think they're going to call you? And then 26 and 27, he says something very interesting. Don't be intimidated. Eventually, everything is going to be out in the open. Wow. And everyone will know how things really are. So you don't hesitate to go public now. Just, just go public. Go public with me. Go public with this. Don't hold it no more. Don't be like the light that it's hidden under the bed. You go public with this, all right? You let the world see this. And as you go public with this, you, you don't stay intimidated with it. Basically, he's like, if I was shamed in church, if Christ was shamed, if he went through trouble, if he too experienced this great danger of living in God's will and living in his Father's will, then we will too, or at least need to expect to go through what he's gone through. I was, I'm reading a book with my students from Tortured, Tortured for Christ by Richard Wormbrand. One of the Christians that are in jail, that is being persecuted, that is being beaten, it's to the point that they made him, as an old pastor in jail, give communion to the Christians in jail. And you know what they did? This is how you're going to give communion, the communist Nazis uh, used to tell him. And they would make him give communion with feces and they would drink the blood which was urine the prisoners urine and the prisoners feces was the bread of Christ the body of Christ and the juice the, the wine the blood of Christ and the Nazis would make him say this is the Lord's body crap take eat and remember of this and the Christian prisoners were forced to eat dung as if it was Christ's body. That's not a slap in God's face. What is that? Drink. This is the new covenant, my blood. And it was urine. Listen, I've never been into drinking urine. Or, drink, or eating feces. You tell me what that's all about. And he was asked by a Christian prisoner, by Richard and Wormbrand. He says, why do you do this? Why do you let them do this to you? Why do you serve the Lord's communion, the Lord's supper with feces and urine. And he says, don't judge me, brother. He says, please don't judge me. 
for I've suffered more than Christ here in these prisons. Just don't judge me. Just don't judge me. It's a true story. So if Christ was shamed and put in trouble, we must expect to, hey, at times it's going to happen. Think about the Father's will for His Son, Jesus. Think about that for a moment. He exposed His very own Son. I'm I'm preaching up here and I'm looking at my son and and I'm just thinking about God and His Son. My mother-in-law is cradling my son and it's cold in here and she has a blanket over him and he's passed out and I'm screaming and he hasn't woken up yet. But he looks so beautiful right now. He's just there like gone. He's probably drooling on her, but he's gone. And I can never picture putting my son in a position where God put his son. Like I look at him right there and, and trust me, as I've been preaching, he hasn't left my eyes. It's the weirdest thing. It just, I haven't even done it on purpose. It just happens. And if you're a parent, you probably understand what I'm talking about. But, but think about what the father did. He exposed his son to such harm, to such injury, to such risk, so that he could win so many more. I don't even understand that. He would win some, but he would lose so much more. The greatest danger, my son being put on the cross, became the greatest blessing for humanity so that all men may be saved. Did you guys catch that? He answered. He stood on the platform. He saved us. The greatest danger would have truly been what? It's not necessarily that Jesus Christ died on the cross. What is and what would have been the greatest danger if Jesus Christ would have never what? Risen and taken that cross and risen. Because then who do we really serve? What do you mean? What I mean is trouble rose in Jesus' life. And he took it with honor. And you know what he did with that trouble? He made it his platform. He made it his platform. He made the cross. He made the beatings. He made the crown of thorns. He made the slaps, the kicks, and the spit. He made it a platform. You want to know how I'll prove to you that he made it a platform? Well, I don't have to. We're here today. That's why I proved to you. But when everything happened that day, there was a huge earthquake. And one of the soldiers that probably spit on him and hit him said what? Truly, this was the Son of God. Christ took the platform. And because he took the platform, he became our greatest blessing. What a great danger if he would have not have taken that platform. What great danger if you would not take your platform. So I'm going to almost end with this. Here it is. Stand on your platform. Because there is a soul that is counting on you. And if it's just notice, I said a soul. Because some people have the luck, have the blessing for it to be more than one soul. But if it's just one soul that God put you on this earth for. If it's just one, stand on your platform for that one soul because it's worth it for that one soul to get to heaven. So stand on your platform because there's a soul counting on you 
And the greatest danger is if you do not do so. So what are you today? How do you see the cup? How do you see your trouble? Winston Churchill, man, can, can we not just preach on that man's life? He says, the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. But the optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. How do you see life today? I think we should start changing it. I'm going to grab this, and I'm going to make it an opportunity. I'm not going to let this grab me and drown in difficulty. I'm going to make this difficulty an opportunity to make it a platform for Jesus. Amen? I have some more stuff, but I'm going to end there. I think God has spoken to us. I think God has clearly spoken to our hearts. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and as we get ready just to wrap it up. A lot of you stood. A lot of you publicly confessed by the action of you standing that you have experienced or are experiencing a current trouble in your life. So to have an altar call, I think it was about 95% of you guys stood. Would mean 95% of you should come up to the altar because this message was for you. So the altar is open. Here it is. God's presence is open for you. Open up the altar of your heart. We're going to sing a song. We're going to worship. 